What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is Privateer Station. And today we're bringing you day 271 of Russian-Ukrainian war. In a usual conversational format between Alexei Rostovich, advisor to the office of the president of Ukraine, and Mark Fagan, Russian opposition politician. Enjoy. Dear friends, glad to see you on Fagan Live. It is Monday, November 21st, 10 p.m. Kiev time and 11 p.m. Moscow. I remind you, as usual, um, there is a difference between uh, time zones that we stream in, so if you want to watch that live, make sure you set the right time or subscribe so you do get notifications about when we go live. The same thing, if you are watching that in English, please subscribe to the Privateer Station. This is the way for you to get updates. And we also publish a lot of other materials uh, from that part of the world. We have about 80,000 people watching the stream, about 20,000 click the like button. Do not forget to subscribe to Fagin Live. They're approaching 2 millions. And, of course, to Alexei Rostovich's channel, the link is in the description to the video. Glad to see you, Alexei. Glad to see you all as well. Day 271. Quite a bit, right? Okay. We missed a day yesterday. Alexei is traveling. So let's see what happened during the last couple of days, what happened on the front. Let's uh, listen to your commentary and news. My favorite phrase is that situation has not seriously changed. From the new things, they started shelling the right bank from the left bank. One uh, dead, several wounded today. Some people started saying that we are conducting a campaign towards Melitopol, but there are just some tactical actions on the front. I think it is just uh, straightening the front line of their attempt to attack toward Gulepole, uh, and that term of uh, Offensive campaign is uh, inapplicable neither to theirs nor to ours, it's just local tactical actions. The fighting on the Eastern Front from Marienka up to Bakhmut continues, the front doesn't change. And near Kriminnaya, over here with the mouse highlights, 
some uh, people in the Russian streams are saying that Ukrainian troops have captured uh, several settlements near Kremenaya and are holding it. So our command has not confirmed that, that uh, information just uh, pinged on the radar in the Russian media, so that's what we have. Of course, they also shell the north of the Kharkov region. They continue attacking our cities, Zaporozhye and the others get missiles and artillery shells uh, attacks. If we do not mention them daily in our shows, we do remember about you guys. And yes, there are people who suffer there pretty much daily. Irina Verishuk, uh, Ukrainian minister, made a statement that for the winter time, citizens of Kherson perhaps uh, should consider moving to the central part of Ukraine. It is probably linked to Russian attacks, uh, disrupted infrastructure that will not be able to be rebuilt until winter fully. Um, so what's uh, related to that announcement? Kherson essentially became a frontline city. Nikolaev is now safe, relatively, and Kherson is really on the front line. And uh, they have destroyed a lot in that area. I actually hadn't noticed uh, today I've seen that Ukraine security service building in Kherson was has so many mines installed in it that uh, we probably will just uh, destroy the whole building because it's too complicated to clear the mines from it. And we may be able to provide enough electricity for hospitals and some critical infrastructure, but uh, probably not to every civilian building. So if people can move to warmer places, to other places with better electricity in Ukraine, uh, they should. They should consider that. Uh, we understand Kherson is not Siberia, but uh, still they get pretty cold winters. So everybody needs to consider their capabilities and uh, Prime Minister cannot order everybody to move, but uh, they did make an offer to consider that situation. And by the way, it's not the first time I think they addressed the population there. Um, it's probably second or third. It's understandable, Alexei agree, that um, Russians will not stop shelling civilian targets. Yeah, that would be naive. They never... Civilian casualties never stop their action, you know, and for them it's uh, part of Russian Federation, right? Oh yeah, who cares? They don't care about their own people, they just uh, blow everybody up. And speaking about Russian messages, here's a typical picture from Bakhmut. Do you see that? No, I don't, sorry. I'll send the picture to you guys. Maybe you and Konstantin can bring it up. Maybe send it in Skype. I send it to you direct to personal and I'll try to share it. And while it's coming through, could you comment on the Institute of War? I think it was Institute of War, sorry, I, if I messed something up. that joining the war by Belarus army is rather imminent. For me, it looks surprising. I don't know, maybe they have inside information by Intel or somebody. 
What uh, can you say about that? Do you think situation changed over the last week? I think they exaggerate things a bit. First of all, in relation to terms soon or imminent, another about Belarus army. There is a probability that Belarus, uh, the troops can attack from uh, Belarus, one uh, attack toward Kiev, another along the border with Poland. The other thing is that Russia is using Belarus as a training ground and Belarus still has pretty good infrastructure left from Soviet times, there was a big training ground back then and they still are. But uh, in our opinion, they are training these troops to be thrown to Donbass region, not other places. If they have not partaken in the early phases of this war, when Ukraine was uh, obviously on the verge of losing, very unlikely. It is very unlikely that they will join the war now, when it is obvious that Russia has lost on a grand scale. And joining the war now would be a complete stupidity. Here is another thing, though. One can say that after... Kherson being taken by Ukrainian troops, Putin is facing a very unfavorable perspective that nobody in Russia continues to believe in his uh, capability to win in this war. It's personal and political catastrophe, and in Russia they never forgive czars uh, who lose battles. So he lost the political fight, and physical death is not far either. It's a definite risk, and on one hand he needs to show to both Russian and international society at large that he can win, that he can achieve something, and there likely will be throwing more mobilized troops, they're trying to preserve the core structures of their military detachments, and Belarus is definitely in the play. They could use Belarus for more operations, but it is not soon, and it is not uh, imminent. Iran dealings is also under a big question, because Iran is under big international pressure. Sorry, Alexei, you were slow and your video was freezing and disappearing. Your internet sucks today. Now, let's, uh, by the way, talk about Iran today. I think from Israel we had a message today that if Iran supplies ballistic missiles, then Ukraine has a chance of also getting some armaments. Did you hear that statement? Alexei, um, your video is frozen. Sorry. That happens. Let me ask him directly. We'll see what's happening. To our dear viewers, I want to say that Alexei's internet is weak today and perhaps we can find him back. We are trying to connect, find different ways to connect. Is it back? Do you hear us? Which words uh, did I get cut off at? Oh, I was just starting to ask my question if you heard it how Israel would react if Iranian ballistic missiles would be supplied to Russia. No, Israeli minister didn't say that, but uh, he said that it will be a next escalation of this war. 
if we do not stop Iran, Russia will start using uh, higher precision Iranian ballistic missiles. He did not talk about uh, Israeli supplies. Okay, so that's one of the allusions that uh, correspondents made, one of the fakes. Yeah, um, so Israel did not promise anything. Okay, in that light, uh, despite all the diplomatic pressure, Iran still continues cooperation with Moscow. I think they do, yeah. They also discussing now options to build Iranian UAVs in Russia to transport the actual production capability, so Iran would not have to ship it. And since that moment, actually, probably for about two months, one and a half months, since they concluded these relations, we are already in the situation when we are being threatened with use of uh, high-precision Iranian missiles. They're called high-precision. Nobody really knows uh, how precise they are. Nobody checked that. Out of those 17 missiles that they launched to revenge the death of Soleimani, 15 disappeared and missed, and only two hit targets, so nobody knows how effective are they. We don't know how Israel will react to that, but the fact that their minister is stating that if we do not stop Iran, that uh, adds some inspiration. Oh, by the way, we are seeing some Iranian equipment with mobilized people. The helmets, uh, vests, dress, Iranian, Iranian armor, Iranian uniform. That's hilarious. Is it with uh, casualties or with captured? Oh, different ones. Whoever we get our hands on, yeah, we, we started noticing Iranian equipment. Okay, next question. Peskov, Putin's speaker, came out. Probably not an accident as well. Made a few statements on behalf of Russian side. There's a big statement here that the goal of Moscow is not to replace leadership in Kiev. Oh, so what happened? Initially they stated the opposite. Yeah, 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 they were talking about those Nazis, druggies and uh, otherwise scoundrels uh, can stay in power, right? So they've wasted about 100,000 troops uh, to keep those uh, proverbial Nazis that they were hunting in power? Yeah, amazing, right? In Russia, I don't think they think about uh, the difference of these statements. That's the power of Russia. That's the secret power of Russia. Nobody wants, nobody even tries to compare previous statements with the current statements. Another direct quote. Russia will be looking for those who executed uh, those who tried to surrender. They need to be found and punished in that recent incident. Oh, do they also want to find their own troops who were executing Ukrainian troops in mass? And that castration story that was in the video earlier this year? No? You think they have any chance of finding those soldiers? Um, what can I say, Mark? They can try. They can try looking. Oh, they're looking for many people. Uh, they're probably looking for you too. Oh yeah, yeah they are. Yeah, one day we'll probably dedicate a whole stream to how they're looking. We'll talk about that. 
He also said that Kremlin is not forecasting any new waves of mobilization. Do you think they're enough with 300,000 they mobilized? Well, Mark, there are no 300. There is 243,000 that they succeeded in mobilizing. And the recent data I had confirmed that number. They are divided. On one hand, they do want full mobilization. And they're talking about these uh, probabilities, but they're also discussing what uh, will they need to equip all these people. Because even if now they're already uh, getting Iranian equipment, underwear, helmets and armor, or will Iran be able to supply the bigger numbers? And then what do they feed them with? What do they equip, equip the army with in terms of rifles, ammo, armor? Where do they find officers, at least a little bit of sergeants and lieutenants? They had some equip uh, experience when mobilized were commanding the mobilized, but that wasn't quite a success. So coming back to Iran, for all these riches, what Iran is getting back? Oh, there was different kind of data. There was some news that Iran started developing their own hypersonic missile. The first in their history is that Moped 2. No, 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 hypersonic, like... Uh, yeah, one army had. One wonders who could have shared that technology. Do you think they could have shared it? Yeah, they could. Is it wise? When were they wise last time? Yeah, that's true. Okay, look, to continue this subject, here, I've seen it somewhere. Okay. Konashenkov, the spokesperson for Russian military, says in Kherson region they destroyed Ukrainian diversion group that tried to cross Dnepr. And is, what does it mean? It means they went from NATO, get the hell out of our borders, to mentioning the fight for the Shed and Ukrainian diversion groups in their news. That's amazing achievement of their war machine and Konoshenkov himself and Putin's Russian Federation. They've captured the left wall of the cow farm and caught a diversion group. And that's amazing news for the front of over 800 miles. If they report that, that means they really don't have anything else to report. Okay, got it. There is another message I think worth noting. Turkey is going to conduct ground operation against Kurds in Syria and in Iraq. And as they mentioned, it is related to Russian promise to push Kurds away from Turkish territories. They already did the air assault, so I think there'll be a separate one on the ground. They probably will, right, but it doesn't really change things for us in general. Do you think it could be one of the terms between Erdogan and Putin, that Putin could push Kurds a bit? I don't think so. I think Kurds is not Putin's subject. I think it's American subject. Yeah, but they're near Syria, right? 
and uh, near Turkey. Yeah, indeed, they are in that region, but at max, that could be what Russian military police... Uh, but these are minor actions. Actions of Russia in that region are not defining in that region. Erdogan needs to react to those three explosions in Istanbul that happened recently, because if he does not react, he will be gone as a politician in the Middle East. So he will have to react. Have you seen his face when he was meeting with Biden in Bali? When Bali was saying that uh, we regret when we express our condolences, there was a very stern reaction on the face of Erdogan because they cannot forgive America for supporting Kurds. So it'll be probably interesting to see how will the relations with America evolve. Russia in this case is probably somewhere at a hundred and something place at the end. Not important. But he did mention that Russia probably failed to fulfill certain promises. Yeah, they probably will quarrel a little, but they will still milk Russian Federation for some bonuses or preferences. It's the Eastern politics. They trade here, they kill, kill there. Okay. So another, I think, important statement by Peskov that Russia, via negotiations with Kiev, wants to achieve goals of their special operation. So he answered that uh, when he was asked to comment the words of Zelensky, that Russia is not going to change leadership. Russia is trying to negotiate with uh, Ukrainian leaders. And when he was asked if it is true that uh, Russia wants a respite. He answered that Russia wants to achieve its goals and will achieve it one way or another. So that's typical Russian answer to that. So another question then, how did that happen? That everything they wanted to achieve militarily, all that, uh, all these announcements at the beginning of war, what happened? That uh, you are not capable to achieve all these goals militarily and now you have to fall back to negotiations. All these loud statements of denazification, removal of fascist regime, and now they're talking about capturing the wall of a cow farm. Where is all that brave rhetoric? Where did that go? So here, I think it's pretty straightforward. They can talk about negotiations till cows come home. We can support that discussion, of course, if our partners want to want us to mention it. Perhaps uh, our partners want to bring it up for their agreements with China or somebody else. We'll talk about that, but there'll be no negotiations while Russian troops are on our ground. That's very simple. They can dream about anything, but it will end with the destruction and kicking out the last of the occupants. Well, they're still trying to show some mojo, and although it, yeah, no, it's a fleeting mojo at this point. Yeah, Ukraine keeps evading negotiations. They're not talking to Ukraine. They're talking to Russian audience, Mark. They're addressing Russian audience. They cannot do anything with us, militarily or otherwise, and they want to push the West, maybe, to limit their support of Ukraine, and maybe that will push us to negotiate with Russia. Today, Stoltenberg, head of NATO, 
did mention that they are increasing production and uh, assortment and uh, NATO continues to provide significant military help to Ukraine and they're expanding their production, he said, so they'll be providing more and more as days come. And uh, we need to remind that one of the main suppliers of weapons to Ukraine is Russian Federation. And frankly, they're supplying more than many other countries. Uh, just in Kharkov operation, we took enough equipment uh, for an army corps, two mechanized tank brigades worth. Thank you very much, and we'll do more. We'll come back again. So I can imagine that if things happen on a weird trend that Western help somehow diminishes, I cannot believe that will happen, but uh, there is other resource. We can take more from Russians in the next offensive. Thankfully, we do have similar equipment, and it'll be easy to appropriate that. So the best land lease so far is from Russian Federation. We can uh, technically feed ourselves by capturing more goals. We have, uh, don't remember how many Russian tanks, but it's about a half of what we had at the beginning of operation. That's captured, refitted and fighting. So, thank you, thank them. Uh, we have different resources of supply and uh, Russia is not the last. All right. Parliament Assembly of uh, NATO countries acknowledged uh, Russia to be a terrorist state and also asked to create a special tribunal, international tribunal for the war crimes in Ukraine. And this is a special ask, not a United Nations tribunal, but the countries who participate those countries who will adopt uh, the statute that Russia is a terrorist state will also support the tribunal, as far as I know. The main countries have not signed that yet, but some other countries have already signed that document. So, perspective of the international tribunal is hanging out there. It is difficult to conduct that in the United Nations because Russia is a part of a security, permanent member of the Security Council in the United Nations, but as an alternative, uh, that can happen. As an outside alternative to the United Nations. So do you think they will be discussing it, I think, on the 23rd uh, the Parliament Assembly of uh, NATO countries in Europe. Do you think it matters in the context of negotiations that people talk about? I, I'm looking at that, that the West is creating instruments for the post-Putin's world. Because there are four connected goals here. Denuclearization of Russian Federation. Second is de-Putinization, removal of regime and its consequences. And we'll not talk about two others, but these two are the major goals. So, first Putin must go, second, their opportunity to hang the world civilization by a thread for their crazy ideas and fantasies must go. So, the only goal of that campaign should be, of course, to punish uh, the war criminals, uh, so the other two goals that I didn't mention, was to punish war criminals and retributions. So, they need to put Russia into a situation where it would be easier for them to give up nukes, 
than to fall into the squabble of Russian revolution or crazy revolt or internal civil fighting. So that's why they do have the part of punishing war criminals, which is a significant component of deputinization of Russia. That international tribunal and extraction of these criminals and their punishment will be related to providing economic and political help and removal of sanctions to future Russia. But for me, the only way to remove sanctions from Russia would be to give up nuclear weapons. And uh, one can applaud the West that they are still standing on these uh, tracks and standing firm, despite the fact that it's pretty difficult to make all countries vote um, on that, considering Malta, Hungary, Turkey's position. So here we can congratulate ourselves with another success. This is definitely a next step after the court proceedings on MH17 flight. So we made another step in uh, achieving one of the four basic uh, goals of the West in the end of this war. And we're edging closer to the goals uh, of building the post-Putin's world. I need to mention to people in the chat who are asking, Alexei sent a picture, there is uh, a lot of uh, dead bodies and a skull broken apart from uh, apparently mobilized uh, troop. And yeah, this picture basically shows layers of dead bodies uh, near Bakhmut. That's uh, how much they littered the fields with the bodies of their attempts to push the line forward. I will put that picture on Telegram because uh, YouTube and other places, they do not react uh, well to such content, so we cannot post these uh, pictures. Out here, YouTube has its own politics. Um, yeah, you can check it on Telegram. Telegram doesn't block things. Thankfully, they're not censoring stuff. Okay, I will share that in my Telegram channel that Alexei sent from Bakhmut. If you want to, you can check Fagin Live on Telegram and check it there. We have 375,000 people watching us. Over 100,000 clicked the like button. We've been live for about 30 minutes. I have an ask, please uh, continue sharing links to that stream everywhere you discuss or can discuss this matter. And if you can, please subscribe to Fagin Live, to Alexei Rostovich, and to the Privateer Station if you are listening or watching that in English language. What else did I want to show you? There is a interesting thing. You know, on my channel, I uh, paid a tribute to discussing that Kremlin, not uh, for several years actually already, now is just too active. They appear to have gone uh, a bit cuckoo and the different uh, occult themes. Oh yeah, these uh, voodoos and shamans and all that stuff. Yeah, we had uh, Andrei Kosmach and Valery Solovey, two people who are researching that, and I'm getting a lot of insights. I'll show from my Telegram channel a quote. I'll read it. It's a research by an insider publication. FSO, uh, General Komov, is one of the most secret uh, employees of uh, security service. 
and uh, his compatriots call him a star reader because uh, he's a usual participant in different seminars and discussion related to space. Last year he partook in a conference, Modern Problems of a Distance uh, Probing of Earth from Cosmos, from Space, organized by Institute of Space Research of Russian Institute of Sciences. He is uh, leading the group that includes astrologists, black mages and extrasenses. Uh, some of them have been consultants with the uh, personal security of Yeltsin and Korzhakov and then uh, Evgeny Murov and now they're giving advice to the today leadership of Putin's security service. So there is a link to that uh, article in Telegram. FSO is the group that protects uh, Putin and his close ones and they are all related to Kovalchuk in terms of appointment. He is the one who uh, supervises that group. There are a lot of links, a lot of factual materials in the article. There is a whole paper uh, that they, this group published about special things they need to do. I don't know how they got their hands on that. I probably downloaded from somebody's uh, hacked email or something. But there is a very peculiar list of things they're going to organize. Uh, mostly a cult. Do you see signs of that occult presence is sort of uh, the end of this poem. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that probably started back in the Romanovs' uh, court uh, with Peter Badmayev, who brought uh, some documents from somewhere in the East and started influencing them with the mysterious uh, things. And then in the modern history, there was Juna. She was meeting with Brezhnev and she was supposedly treating him. So she had a good influence with the USSR court, so to say. Even KGB generals were afraid of her to a degree and her influence to the Central Committee. I was pretty close to that group when I was uh, going through my work-related training and my visits to Moscow. Alexander Kaminsky, who trained me, he actually knew, knew them and they knew him. And he always warned me about how not to do things. He basically was showing me these people and putting alerts on my radar saying never go that way. This is an interesting story with shamans and bloody rituals and the fact of strengthening of these people of such characters in it, it kind of matters uh, in, a, in a way that it is sort of a psychological dark side, unknown side emerging. The closer the end is, the better manifestation of uh, psyche that fail to have uh, material support, the stronger they manifest. So if they cannot connect their world picture, if they cannot connect reality to what they see, to their internal reality, then they start believing in all these uh, mages and all the hidden powers and all the other things. So one one can if you, if you go deeper into who's there and how they're doing it it almost appears as if they had some and i actually did consult with one professional astrologist for fun 
and it appears that uh, they're picking the worst times and worst dates. So I don't know if that's Ukrainian hero or somebody in the group of their mages who is picking all the worst dates and all the worst uh, times for their actions. This is hilariously funny but hidden side of this conflict. But in any case, this is a manifestation of a certain condition of uh, their side. And if uh, that group is growing in weight, that means the failure and internal strain in Putin's group and Putin's gang is growing. Um, so the more the more it is devastating, the more they need to use and rely on their cult. Then it uh, kind of start, starts to remind the last days of Hitler's bunker. Venk's army... Wonderwaffe and then uh, some occult tools. So Surovikin army failed, Wonderwaffe from Iranian drones also didn't happen and now we have these occult thingies. Um, very reminiscent of the light months in bunker of his predecessor. Yep, uh, they've been doing that for quite a while and his uh, surroundings were deep into that culture. Putin stayed away from it quite a bit. I talked with Pugachev about that and some other people. And now the general Komov, he actually kind of looks like Ragozin. And he his nickname is, uh, I forgot, Space or Sarmat, whatever. He I don't know where he picks these nicknames from, but um, yeah, that process is appearing to be strengthening. Okay, we've been live for 36 minutes, and your internet still sucks. I will be tomorrow in a good place at home with good internet and good background, but, um, well, my internet will suck tomorrow as well. I'm still traveling. That's not a good news, but uh, we'll try. We'll do our best. We've been almost 37 minutes live. We have 380, almost, 1,000 watching us. Uh, about 160,000 click the like button. You'll be able to come here tomorrow, right? Okay. We'll talk with Konstantin, see how we can make connection a little better. We are trying to equip us with the best things we can for travels and for casting, but we'll see what else can we do. Let's just hope that uh, my connection will be better tomorrow. You know, it differs, it depends. And you will have good one at home, so all's good. Okay, thank you for coming today. Thank you, dear viewers, for joining us. Please continue sharing that. We rely on you. Click that like button, that is very important for us. And subscribe to Fagin Life, to Alexei Rostovich, and to the Privateer Station if you are listening or watching that in English. And uh, if you want to check more, you can also check Telegram channel of Fagin Life, including the picture that Alexei sent that we cannot post according to censorship. Alexei, have a good day. See you tomorrow. Goodbye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.